A warm welcome to the June episode of the Uxbridge FM podcast. Lots of interesting people this month from our local area. We're chatting about chatting. There's the inside gossip on the King's Coronation, the Bucks Country Show, the Fire Station, Uxbridge Bid and Ballet. So pop your headphones on and enjoy. We are with Nancy Rawlings, who is the External Engagement Manager at Brunel University. We've come to the pavilions to talk to Nancy about a new scheme called Happy to Chat. Hello, Nancy. Hi, hello. Now, tell us a bit more about this Happy to Chat scheme. What's it all about? So Happy to Chat is an initiative that was born from COVID and pre-COVID and centres around looking to alleviate social isolation and loneliness. So to participate in Happy to Chat, I wear my Happy to Chat badge and it is quite flexible, the whole arrangement of Happy to Chat. And the concept idea is that you practice Happy to Chat or engage in Happy to Chat at times where you feel safe, um, secure and want to talk to other people. So there is a very flexible approach to the scheme. I like to use mine when I'm going shopping or if I'm at the garden centre and wearing my Happy to Chat badge, which is really eye-catching, nudges people to talk to me and when I'm wearing my badge, I'm happy to chat. And do people start conversations with you or do you try and start conversations with them? It usually works that they're starting a conversation with me and the badge is the nudge, if you like. They'll see the badge and I might get, oh, are you happy to chat? Or what is happy to chat? What does that mean? So we just start a very sort of informal conversation and that could involve everything from just passing the time of day with somebody in Tesco's to most recently lunchtime uh, shopping centre where I was sat outside having my lunch wearing my badge and somebody sat next to me who wanted to talk and we had a conversation for about 40 minutes around everything from the weather to what people were looking to buy and then I finished my lunch and went on my way and that person also finished their conversation but added to me that I was the only person that they would have spoken to all day. That is crazy isn't it that you hear stories about people who don't talk to other people maybe for a day or a week or even longer sometimes. Yes yeah it's very true and that whole concept of um, open spaces or shops or sort of areas where the public are being somewhere where people want to engage and chat is really, you know, a lot in our nature, you know, just that wanting to pass the time of day with somebody. And if they are very isolated, the person from behind the counter in the shops or the somebody that they might meet on the bus or even just wandering around a garden centre chatting to somebody about plants is the only contact they might get. Now you're not a trained counsellor as such, so if the conversation gets a bit heavy, you've got some websites you can point them to, to signpost them to. Tell us about that. So with the Happy to Chat badge comes a pack uh, full of really useful information um, and handy to carry cards, which gives you details of places that you could refer somebody to or national organisations that you could first refer somebody to. Before engaging with Happy to Chat, visit the website because there are lots of useful videos on there. Everything from uh, starting a conversation to helping in a difficult conversation perhaps 
or even the tips around ending a conversation and saying au revoir to somebody rather than goodbye. <laughs> this has all come from some research that Brunel University have done that says chatting makes you happier. Now, how do you measure happiness? That's a big question, isn't it? It is a big question. I mean, in terms of the research, there are, you know, sort of certain uh, data and that might be qualitative. So, you know, looking at feedback and that might just be from research groups or surveys and then quantitative, looking at the stats and the information that comes along with that. It's very hard to measure happiness. It's very subjective. But I think for me, in practicing happy to chat, if somebody goes away and says, you've made my day or talking to you has been great thank you that also helps I feel good about that you know and that the essence of that is that you may have given somebody the opportunity to engage with another person. How do we get involved then how do we become a badge wearer um, showing our badges um, is there a website we can go to or are you having more stalls around the area? There's definitely a website to visit so I'm happy to chat UK. So um, look at the website and get in contact with the Happy to Chat team. The event today in the pavilions is the first that the Happy to Chat team have done. So who knows where that might lead. Um, but also to contact the Happy to Chat team via Brunel University. And the lead on that is Dr Dorothy Yen. And if anybody's interested but wants to reach out and speak to me in engagement, um, please drop me a line. And that's uh, nancy.rawlings at brunel.ac.uk. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Now, next up, we're chatting to a very interesting lady who wears many hats, a cook, an author, and we're going to learn about being Deputy Lieutenant of Hillingdon. Here's Manju Marley. First of all, let's chat about food. I love food. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're a chef and you're helping out at the Uxbridge Community Centre um, what's happening there? Well, lots of things are happening there. A lot of foodie things. For example, on Thursdays, we've got a coffee morning, which is great fun. It, it engages communities, brings people out of their comfort zones and their homes to chat to one another, really, and uh, share recipes, share food as well. So it's not just coffee and biscuits. It's gone beyond that at the moment, but it's predominantly coffee, biscuits and cake. Oh, <laughs> so, now you're talking yes. my language. <laughs> and is this free or how does it work? Yes, you just walk in. Oh my goodness. It would be great to book uh, if you wanted to because it's getting a little busy. I bet. It's open to everyone because the capacity is about 40 people. You helped during lockdown people with meal preparation and uh, that sort of thing. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, before the pandemic, uh, I was helping various charities uh, with their cooking classes. For example, Open Age in West London offers classes like a school for people over the age of 50. There were computer classes, there was yoga classes and cooking classes. Ah. So we used to go to the venues, teach people how to cook, have a meal and then all go home. But then lockdown happened and all that stopped. And a lot of uh, the community members, especially the older members of the community, were feeling really isolated and on their own, not feeling very well either. Some did contract COVID. Some sadly did pass away. But Open Age felt they needed to be 
there for them still. So we set up online cooking classes, Zoom classes, conference call cooking, which was really popular, where we'd all, you know, ring up at a certain time and talk to one another about food and also about other things. So it was engaging with people because some of them didn't even go out for weeks on end Mm. and ate tinned food. So I check up on them. As a result of that, uh, I was uh, awarded an Empire Medal by the Queen at the time. And of course, the ceremony was very limited because of COVID and everything still going on. And I'm back teaching people how to cook at various venues, at various charities. And you've written six cookbooks. You brought one in today, Easy Indian Cookbook. And we're giving that away as a prize. We'll think of some competition or something, I'm sure. Now, something else that happened, you got um, appointed, is the word, as a deputy lieutenant Yes. in London. Yes. Um, now, I'm a bit confused about this because okay. uh, there's these... <laughs> The Lord Lieutenant is somebody in London who's obviously quite important. Yes, he is. He. <laughs> this uh, harks back to the days of Henry VIII. I don't know much about the history of lieutenants, but from what I gather, Henry VIII appointed lieutenants to go and check up on areas across the country oh. which he couldn't travel to and report back to see what's going on. Are the communities happy? Are they happy with me? That sort of thing. Any and monasteries a- to raid? Absolutely. (laughs) But of course, that role changed. But the lieutenancy continued across the country Uh with every monarch. We were answerable kind of to the Queen to uphold the values of the Queen, the late Queen. But now it's the King, King Charles III. But of course, we answer to the Lord Lieutenant, who will then report back to King Charles to Uh see what's going on. So you're the sort of spokesperson for Hillingdon, as it were. Absolutely. Yes, I'm the eyes and the ears of the monarch and checking up on what's going on in my borough, the London Borough of Hillingdon. So it's not a paid post, it's a voluntary post. And what sort of things have you had to report back on? Well, I had to check up on uh, the police. That's one section oh. to see what's going on. So I, I do catch up with the chief superintendent. Oh, I see. Yeah, so <laughs> we do, you know, serious things as well. It's not fun and games, yeah. but it's just how various sections uh, and organisations such as the police, hospitals, NHS, churches, mosques, temples, engage with the communities. Mm. So in a way, it's building bridges and finding out what's going on. So at the end of the year, I'll have a little mini report, which will be given to the king. And can then things happen as a result of that? Is there sort of money available from the Lord Lieutenant, do you think, to put into various community funds well what i can do is i'm not a fundraiser we're not fundraisers but we can connect communities and charities with relevant people possibly who may be able to help like for example there's one charity who said we need food for our coffee mornings Mm. so um i said yes there's a a fairshare.org situation where you can collect food if you fill in these forms, yeah, and then they get collections, and there's uh, no waste as well because it all goes to landfill. But it's all edible; the food is edible. Yeah, but uh, you know, supermarkets may have to get rid of the food to bring in fresh produce yeah. to sell. But wow. stuff they cannot sell, we can share or freeze it immediately. Yeah, that's a great scheme, isn't it? As part of being the deputy lieutenant, you got invited to the coronation. Well, it was because of the Empire Medal. From what I gather. Apart from the Lord Lieutenant, whose borough the coronation was in, yeah. 
it's Empire Medalists who served local communities during the pandemic predominantly yeah. were invited to the coronation. What happens there? Do you get a letter through the post to say... Well, I got an email, which an email. I thought was spam. <laughs> so I ignored it, right. as you would. I thought, coronation? Well, yeah, maybe it's some scam. Yes. <laughs> but it wasn't. But there was a deadline, and I thought, oh, you know, two days later, I thought, I better uh, fill in and say yes, yeah. fill in the form, and I did. And then they said, uh, the coronation organiser said, oh, Manju, you might get a call for one interview. 60 interviews later... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it was all great fun because it was all engaging. It was positive, whether you're a royalist or a Republican. Mm. It was that feel good mood, yeah. which we were hoping to spread. And it was a really nice thing for the, uh, the king to invite people who've served their communities. And what happened on the day then? So you go up to London. Yes. What sort of time are we talking? 6 a.m. Right. In London. And we had to do national press, certain people, not yeah. all of us. <laughs> and uh, just talk about the feelings and the emotions and what's going on. Again, like the eyes and ears of everyone. Mm. Checking up on what's happening, what's the vibe. And it was a really lovely vibe. Yeah. It was a bit overcast, but the vibe was good. They feed you? Do you get breakfast? No, we get nothing. We get a cup of tea. But uh, once you get into the Abbey, you can't really take snacks and crisps <laughs> <laughs> and popcorn. So we made sure we kind of uh, had a bit of water and then we all sat down. Yeah. And I sat next to someone. You know, I said, is the seat taken? And then the chap turned around and said, uh, no, it isn't. And it was Greg Wise. And Emma Thompson. Really? Yes. So I sat next to them, which was great. And uh, it was very emotional, um, breathtaking, stunning. I'm sure the best seat was at home because you could get to see everything. But it was the atmosphere. Was it a long... You were there for a long time, weren't you, sat in the Abbey? Yes, four and a half hours. So no toilet breaks or anything? <laughs> Just before the two and a half hour ceremony, we were allowed to go to the Loos. Ah, just for people to experience the, the backstage, what's the loo situation like at the, at the Abbey? <laughs> are we talking Glastonbury-style portaloos <laughs> or are we talking gold-plated? <laughs> it's in between. It, it's ordinary loos which were clean and pristine, <laughs> but it's in the Abbey, so it's the surroundings of the Abbey. Yeah, and then afterwards, what happens then? And then afterwards, we were chatting away to everyone. There was a slight cough bout by Emma Thompson. I had no food. She said, no food, you're a chef. But I gave her one of my cough sweets. That was lovely. Looking for the loos, um, by accident, uh, I went into an area I wasn't meant to go into. And they said, this way. I said, the toilets went this way, this way. And I ended up in the heads of state uh, reception. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is absolutely... I thought, I need a toilet because there must have been queues at the Abbey afterwards. Yeah. So, but it was lovely. You know, there were all the kings and the queens from across the world and oh, wow. dignitaries. I had a canapé and some water. And then I said, I better go. And they went, no, 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 this way, this way, your carriage awaits. And I thought, no, 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 I, I, I'm walking. They went, no, you can't walk. <laughs> I said, it's fine. <laughs> because then they must have thought I was some Indian minister or something <laughs> because I'm of Indian origin. <laughs> but it was all great fun. It was lovely. And then... I went to the International Press Bank, which was amazing, absolutely stunning. Yeah. 
for NBC News. So there was all this going on. So I must have got home for about 5 p.m. Goodness me. That was a great day. It was yeah. amazing. And you can't bring your phone in and everything for pictures and things, can you? You can't, but I did take a few, which I might share with you. <laughs> but everyone was doing it. But there were people going, put your phone away, put your phone away, like being at school. It yeah. was great. But uh, you don't want to be clicking away while uh, things are happening because it's an international event. I didn't realise how much the audience or the congregation had to be involved because we had to sing all the hymns, mm. say things, and it was all on this um, order of service, which was amazing. It was uh, beautiful. And, uh, you know, we all had to step up to the plate, really. Mm. We didn't want to show the world, you know, anyone up, the United Kingdom up by singing off key or coughing or, or laughing or talking or anything. Yeah. So we were all really good. Oh, great. What a great day and one to remember. Definitely. You've got souvenirs, I guess. You kept the order of service, I assume. Yes, the order of service. I was uh, sent an invite through the post in the end, which is beautiful. It was it's a card with my name on it, with uh, all the sort of wildflowers that King Charles III enjoys. Yeah. It was a good day. It was really wild. And my friend, because I don't have thousands of pounds to spend on an outfit, it was uh, dress uh, code was um, day dress, whatever that means. Day dress. So I had to Google, but then, of course, it came out with wedding dresses. <laughs> I thought if I Google coronation, it might help. <laughs> but that was in the 50s, and, and there wasn't really any day dress or dress code then. Mm. So <laughs> I was getting coronation recipes, coronation chicken recipes. Yeah. So in the end, I got my friend to do sort of a humble but lovely outfit made out of cotton in royal blue. Oh, wow. Um, you do have a Twitter and uh, Instagram, the real Manju, M-A-N-J-U. I guess that's all food related. Your chef. Yes, predominantly. Yeah. Yes. What sort of things, other things you get up to as a food well, consultant? What we do sometimes is we test out spices and spice blends for companies. Uh, and these companies take it very seriously, their spice blends. So they'll ship spice blends from around the world to test out. So I reckon, for example, we've made the best chana masala spice blend to make a chickpea curry. Yeah. Uh, so we test all these spices out. Uh, so I have to prepare the food. And then the food companies, for example, go, hmm, that's nice. Oh, is that with that blend? No, that's no good. Mm. Uh, not sort of uh, commenting on my quality of cooking, but on the spice blend and if it works with in other ingredients. So that's what I do. And do we sort of tame down the spices for the UK market or would it be as strong as an Indian spice? Well, the British palate has got really more refined now. So mm. they expect spice blends to be quite chilly hot ah. sometimes or to adhere to the way Indians in India would cook. Mm. So, yes. I think I'm right in saying that, that curry has usurped fish and chips now as the the most popular dish in the UK. Yes, it has. Uh, I don't know why, but people love spice and it's very addictive. Mm. And the flavours are so different. And fish and chips are delicious as well. Of course. But then sometimes you have curry sauce with your fish and chips. So Yeah. The trend, I suppose, is that people are doing more deliveries, aren't they? So you're not seeing the chef who makes your food. 
you're just receiving the food. I imagine if the trend continues, it's a bit difficult for a chef because you're not interacting with the customers. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the industry went downhill during the pandemic. Mm. But now the issue is people have got so comfortable sitting at home ordering takeout mm. to take in. You think, well, why bother spending lots of money in a restaurant, mm. the atmosphere and everything? And also there's a shortage of chefs as well. So yeah. it's thriving, but it's tough. It's a bit of a struggle still. Mm. So once again, we've got the Uxbridge Community Centre. What time is that on a Thursday? Uh, it's 10.30 till 12.30. Yeah. You just pop in and uh, say, I've I've come to have a cup of tea <laughs> or a coffee and, and some Perfect. biscuits or something. But it, it's more about engaging with communities, yeah. touching base, and they run lots of other courses there as well. It's all good fun and it's trying to bring the community spirit uh, going because uh, lately there's been a lot of divisive issues happening. And at the end of the day, we're all kind of in it together. The cost of living crisis, which is uh, the key thing that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to ride the storm, all of us, by, you know, little things like this. It's, mm. it's not going to fix anything, but it might make you feel better. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on doing that for the community. And um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be queues out the door if you're offering free cake. <laughs> On a Thursday. Well, yeah. I'll be down yes, there sorry. straight away. Yeah, maybe we should uh, <laughs> charge. But uh, yeah, people do give donations. You don't have to. Yep. You know, even 20 pence helps. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that's great. And we'll put a little um, thing on Twitter and uh, give away the, the cookbook. Maybe we'll do a question and a little draw. Um, that's uh, your cookbook, Easy Indian Cookbook. and One, one of six. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, there was one that came out, but... I haven't got a copy with me called The Seasoned Foodie, which was immune-boosting recipes. It, it's quite a cheap book. And it's just easy recipes and salad dressings to encourage people to eat more salad, for example. Mm. Once again, I'll give you out your social media, which is Twitter, uh, The Real Manju, and also Instagram, The Real Manju. Thanks for coming in, Manju, and chatting about all those foodie things. Yes. <laughs> and your role as Deputy <laughs> Lieutenant, which you explained a bit more about that, which is good. I was a bit confused. So am I still. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps you can pop back at the end of your term and tell us how it all went. Well, that's when I'm 75 years, apparently. Yes. <laughs> right. No pressure. So, all right, I will, <laughs> if I last that long. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sure most people would jump at the chance to sit in a fire engine and turn on the sirens and blue flashing lights. Well, now's your chance. Now, on the 2nd of July, which is Sunday... At 11 o'clock, there's only one place to be in Hillingdon, and that is the Hillingdon Fire Station. Their open day is happening. Simon Hall is on the line. Hello, Simon. Hello, Steve. Hi. Now, you're a firefighter. You've based at Hillingdon Fire Station? That's right. We're at Greenwatch Hillingdon, and we're obviously doing the open day next Sunday, yes. So tell us what's going on on the open day. We've got lots of stalls. We've got training exercises that we're carrying out ourselves. We've got food there. Um, we've got a lot of different fire appliances, including a turntable ladder from Hayes Fire Station, etc. Obviously, you can get to meet the crews and talk to us about the job we do. And we can give out sort of fire safety advice and talk about our community risk management plan, which we've currently got going to any residents. And so basically, it's just a fun day for all. All ages as well are welcome down. Come and see what, see what you make of the fire station, really. And fire engines are pretty high-tech things these days, aren't there? Lots of gadgets on board, I seem to recall. That's right, yes. Yes, we've got a lot of different equipment. 
Um, we obviously don't just deal with fires nowadays. We have a, a, a wide variety of incidents we go to, road traffic collisions, water rescues, etc. So our kit is becoming more and more related to the different different sort of incidents we're going to. It gets designed better uh, year on year, really. Uh, in particular, more more recent stuff relating to wildfires and, and grass fires, given we are get, getting these sort of drier summers. So our, our kit is improving around that. And obviously that's more reason for people to come down uh, for the open day. They can sort of see it. We can talk for all the, all the equipment and we've got and that will obviously be on show on the day. And if you're a kid, love sitting in the fire engine and uh, setting the sirens off. That's great. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we've got a bouncy castle for the small children as well. That'll be good. We've got some dogs coming down for what we call fire dogs. And they're involved in fire investigation. There'll be that sort of thing down there. There will be plenty for the, the younger the younger children as well. The thing about parking there is a bit tricky, isn't it? Where are you supposed to park? Parking from, from last year, we were very busy. So what we do recommend is, is some of the local area, local roads uh, in and around the station, obviously trying not to disturb the, the residents as much as we can. But we, last year we got over a 1,000 people. So unfortunately there's no parking on the fire station itself. We'd like to accommodate people, but unfortunately just due to space reasons and it's an um, emergency station still for response, um, we can't have uh, people driving in and out, I'm afraid. So if um, anyone coming along could just try and park in the local area, that would be much uh, appreciated. Or public transport, even, even better, I guess. And I always wonder this, during an open day, you sort of um, off watch, you won't get called for a fire. Now, what we have is um, covering the area with uh, other fire engines from local stations that will, that will cover us. So we're there for the day only. Um, obviously, come four o'clock, we're, we're back uh, on the run and we'll be available. So Sunday, 2nd of July, 11am at Finningdon Fire Station. Great. And it will be busy, so just bear that in mind. Cheers. All the best. All right. Thank you. Take care now. Cheers. Bye for now. Okay. We're heading a bit further afield next to hear all about the Bucks Country Show. On the 1st and 2nd of July, we've got a great event happening in Beaconsfield, the Bucks Country Show. To tell us all about all the details, we've got Annabelle Edmondson, one of the organisers, on the line. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, Steve. Thank you very much for having us on. So, tell us a bit more about this show. I've got your poster in front of me, and I'm very intrigued by the wrestling chainsaw competition. I assume that isn't happening together. No, that isn't happening together, so they're separate things. So at the event, we have a group of chainsaw carvers that come along and they do chainsaw carving competitions and obviously demonstrate to the public. And then we have the wrestling who go on about four times a day and do some wrestling acts for us. And what else? It's a full-on country show. So um, dog and duck, what's that all about? So, uh, you know, traditional sheep herding, instead of doing it with sheep, he actually does it with ducks. It's one of Ah. my favourite things at the show. It's very amusing to watch. (laughs) falconry as well i'm always worried they won't come back but they always seem to they always seem to we have had a few times where they've kind of disappeared for a couple of days but they always seem to kind of find their way back yeah Um, but we have two different sorts of falconry so we have your traditional falconry and then we actually have horseback falconry that jonathan marshall does with his beautiful horse amadeus as well ah so that really is going back in history and trying to use a, a bird to catch prey and whatever yes exactly yeah we try and keep our shows traditional whilst also bringing in lots of different aspects like the magic and the wrestling and things classic cars as well yes we've got lots of classic cars and classic vehicles booked into this show that you can come and have a look at as well so i think it looks like the aim is to appeal to the whole family doesn't it you've got dad with the classic cars i'm I'm stereotyping here of course 
magic shows for the kids, and then yeah. um, what does mum do? All kinds of things. Well, we've got loads <laughs> of different things to do. So we've got cookery demonstration theatres. We've got amazing shopping. We've also got a rural crafts area where you can watch all of the traditional crafters make their things. So stick makers, blacksmiths, all of that kind of stuff as well. We've got petting farms where you can hold and pet sheep, goats, horses, all of that kind of stuff. Reptiles, if you fancy holding a snake, which isn't my cup of tea, but I know lots of people enjoy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's the 1st and 2nd of July. We're praying for good weather. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, yes, hopefully. Hopefully it's nice and warm for us. Yeah, on the Penn Estate, if you know where that is. It's free parking. Give us a bit of a rundown on the ticket prices and things. So you can get discounted tickets online if you go to www.buckscountryshow.co.uk or if you decide to just pop along on the day, you can also get tickets on the day. They're slightly discounted online, so they're £11 online and they're £12 on the day. Ah, bargain. Dogs come in free, I assume? Dogs come in for free and there's loads for dogs to do as well. We have a whole dog area with four rings for your dogs to enter many competitions and agility and all of that kind of stuff as well. Oh, great. This sounds marvellous. Right, so once again, buckscountryshow.co.uk. Put it in your diary, 1st and 2nd of July. Thanks, Annabelle. That's great. Thank you so much. Right, let's hop back into Uxbridge and hear about what's the latest goings-on with the Uxbridge bid. Welcome back to Kira Gibson, who is from the Uxbridge bid, the Uxbridge Business Improvement District. Hello, Kira. Hello. Thank you for having me again. Now, it's been a while, so I was thinking, shall we start with a reminder of what the bid actually is? Because there's business improvement districts all around the UK. Just explain what it is all about. Yes, so every major town or city or village will have a a business improvement district. I think there's something like 366 in the country. You have different focuses. Some focus on tourism if they're on the coast or in a heritage site or some heritage bids. And then ones like ourselves, sort of very much town centre community bids. And with our one, we have three main focus to make Oxbridge greener and cleaner, a happier, more vibrant place and a safer place. So those are our three key aspects for Oxbridge Bid. Love Oxbridge, um, if you follow us on all of our social handles. Through that, we sponsor all of the hanging baskets in the town centre, all of the planters on Oxford Road, all of the flowers on the floral phone boxes, and all of the flowers on the train station roof. You'll quite often see myself and uh, Bid Manager Mike washing graffiti off of the walls, or we've just got a jet washer to start cleaning the floors, or we'll always be doing something up a ladder, putting up bunting, just to make it nicer and cleaner. And we work closely with the amazing team from Hillingdon Council, who are fantastic. Their street cleaners are so wonderful Mm. um, and lovely, lovely group of guys, and always very happy to accommodate when we need (laughs) extra things. So that's our first theme. Our second is a more vibrant Oxbridge, and through that, it's our events. So things like Halloween and Christmas and the Christmas light switch on and all of the summer activities and sort of the free activities for families that we put on annually, all part of that umbrella. And then lastly, our security aspect. So we fund security ambassadors seven days a week, 10am to 6pm and night security as well on Friday and Saturday nights between 10pm and 3am. And our amazing collection of boys are fantastic and they patrol the high street, they deal with low levels of ASB, shop theft, sort of whatever occurs. They'll, they'll quite often be helping somebody find a phone or lost cats. It just depends <laughs> on the day. But they're sort of the, really the, the heart of the community in that sense. And we're really lucky that we have a great town centre and we don't have a lot of issues. 
But we're a town centre in a London suburb, so things do arise on occasion and they handle it incredibly well. And I know that both the shops and the retailers couldn't be without them uh, and members of the public too. So it's quite a small team that run the bid, isn't it? Yes, it is. So it's, it's myself uh, as a marketing events manager um, and Mike, our bid manager, and Amanda, who's our administrator assistant. We have a team of six security ambassadors on the, the day and three on the night, all on rotation. Yeah. And it's funded by a little slice of the corporate rates in the town. Well, it, it's funded by the businesses within the town centre. Mm. So if your uh, rateable value is over £15,000, you pay into a levy. And that levy is then all amalgamated in one pot and everything we do goes back into the town. Mm. So all the money raised goes back into Oxbridge to make it a better place to live, work and socialise. Yeah. Every few years... Everybody can vote on what we do with the themes and where the money goes. Um, and we went to ballot last year and we were um, very gratefully very successful. Um, and we got in by sort of 97%, um, which was fantastic, wow. or rateable value, which was very exciting for us. And the businesses will just come and tell us. I will continually walk up and down the high street and, you know, you'll often see Mike repatriating M&S trolleys, uh, you know, and they'll just come <laughs> and tell us, you know, they'll say, we really think this will work or this will work or we need this. And mm. if it's in our power to do it, we'll, we'll always do it. And I love it when people come and give me the suggestions and ideas and stuff, because, yeah. you know, despite walking up and down this high street a lot on a daily basis, you know, we're, we're not in it. 100% of the time because no one ever is so you know I like it when the businesses come up and say actually we really think this could work or have you considered and some of the ideas I'd love to do and just we couldn't you know we'd love yeah. to, to bring in a race course <laughs> you know like go-karts or something in the town centre sadly I don't think okay. we could do that but we'd love it but you know lots of ideas my next one is a giant slip and slide I'm determined to bring in a slip and slide Right. Yep. Slip and slide. How does that work? You you have a, a literally giant sort of inflatable slip and slide and you start at one end and go on the other. But I just need a bit of a, an incline. Ah, we yes. haven't got enough of an incline. So I'm determined to find a good location within the town centre for it. Sometimes, of course, it's it doesn't need much money to improve a little area, does it? No. A little area of bins that might need yeah. tidying up or something with some nice mm. um, rails around them or whatever. Well, you know, that was a really good one with our window art. You know, last year we had, I think it was 32 businesses who participated in the window art. And we have our lovely, love Uxbridge artist, Alessandra, coming back. Uh, and I think we've got eight new businesses that are participating this year. So we'll just have a little bit of the window art to just brighten things up a little bit. Mm. And hopefully for Christmas, she'll come back in and we can go full on Christmassy. Yeah. So it's quite a small area. It's just the centre of Uxbridge that you look after, isn't it? Yes. Um, and Andrew's roundabout to the Swan and Bottle yeah. at the end of, of the Hillingdon sort of boundary line. And then Marjack's roundabout to Sainsbury's. Yeah. So whatever we do has to ben benefit that immediate area mm. uh, and the businesses that are in it. Yeah. And so it's in all our best interest to have a wide range of shops. We're constantly pushing and fighting for more shops. Mm. Ladies, every time you say we need a Zara, I hear you and I'm with you. <laughs> we do need a Zara. <laughs> and you know, all those sorts of things, you know, we need the restaurants and, you know, all the pubs and the bars and it makes a difference. Mm. Apart from Zara, any more suggestions that people make to you regularly? Because I think yeah. one of those recycling shops where you can get your olive oils and your pasta, you bring your yeah. Tupperware container yeah. and they, they obviously got massive quantities in catering sizes and you can top up. 
They work well, in other places. They do. Well, um, if you have anyone who knows of it, and we have an empty unit yes. somewhere, you know, it's uh, <laughs> always good to do a pop-up and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Lush tends to be a big one. Oh, yes. Yeah, Lush. And and more things to kind of do. You know, we, we need things to do. Life is fun and amazing, and it's wonderful to go out and be able to share it with other people and to be involved in things. And, yeah. you know, so to have interactive things doing battle bar or something or an escape room or yeah something different but you know like putt shack or something that would just be a really lovely addition to our to our town center and you know we keep hearing rumors about debenhams don't we but yeah nothing firm yet as you as you know no no not not as far as i know <laughs> and how much of the town center is affected by brunel university do you think obviously there's a massive influx of students during yeah. term time and then mm. nothing during the summer holidays do the shops see that as i think you know for the students it's like any university campus they are set out now to be very self-sufficient mm. you know that model sort of started very much in the states and you know has now come across to the uk and i think the the university is you know you want your students there because then they're they're studying hopefully yeah hopefully <laughs> They are quite self-sufficient within their immediate area. And Brunel is a beautiful campus and it's a wonderful area. And they've got incredible facilities there. Mm. You know, their track and field, their athletics, their just their facilities, the hotels, the spa. You know, they've got so much there. The restaurants, the, you know, they've got their shops. But again, Brunel is a huge influx of late teens and 20s and part-time jobs, yeah. which is fantastic. So I think they do come into the town centre. Obviously, they're going to shop here and get you know whether it be groceries or clothes or the way people are shopping is changing you know we all know this mm. online is more prevalent but i don't think you can ever be going in no to a shop and no, picking no. something and seeing what it's like and it's fun <laughs> it's a fun outing it's you know it's, it's one of my favorite things to do you know you get a group of girlfriends you go shopping and yeah. you know, love shopping on my lunch break and you see um, a lot of lot of um deliveroos and just eat drivers now don't you in the town yeah huge all amount. picking mm. up i suppose that's all business yeah. for the shops isn't it well this is it you know just because people aren't necessarily coming in doesn't mean it's not supporting our local economy and our local yeah. businesses because that person might not have come in anyway mm. but they are using that service because it's available to them because it can be delivered mm. life is busy you know people can't always get out no. you might have you know a medical condition that means you cannot get out and you know you are then missing out on having your favorite food you know the new greek restaurant you know yeah their food is delicious or you know any just anything you know when you really want a mcdonald's or you know really want a bubble tea you know these things you can then have them mm. you know you can have your prep delivered at the drop of a hat yeah I don't think it will ever replace coming into a town centre and being part of the world. It's good to have best of both worlds, isn't it? So events coming up for the diary. What is coming up? Well, we were very lucky to have a very successful mini Pride celebration uh, on the 3rd of June, which was lovely. And we did a, a fantastic Pride night at Miller's Tap and that was sold out and just such a, a success. I can't wait to do the next one. And then we've got a little bit of a quieter summer this year, but then um, things are picking up again in sort of the autumn. So we've got Dino Day on Saturday, the 8th of July. Yeah. And that'll be um, obviously within the town centre, outside of the pavilions sort of area. Uh, and I've got an inflatable T-Rex giant slide. So you go in, the, the T-Rex is out the T-Rex's mouth. Okay. Um, and dinosaur bouncy castles. We have the Lovex Bridge di uh, dinosaur called Sherbet who's a, a little purple dinosaur, and his rider, who will be joining us. 
We have a Jurassic Park army truck who may or may not have somebody inside it. Yeah. And we've got dino babies, dinosaur activities for kids, dino story time. Just a full-on dino day. Excavation that you can unearth your own dinosaur skeleton. Yeah. Dino selfies. It, it will just be really... It's a lovely day. 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's a slight charge for the inflatables. And that's it. Everything else is free. What is it about dinosaurs? Kids just love dinosaurs. I mean, you think they'll be frightened yeah. of them, but they don't seem to be. No, they love it. And who doesn't... I think everybody loves dinosaurs. And some kids I know... They know all the words. They know all the names. Yeah. Massive, long... And they're not, they're not easy to pronounce, no, some of them. No. No, I think dinosaurs have always been and will always be a firm favourite. <laughs> uh, and so I thought, Dino Day, let's give it a whirl. And uh, yeah. the response has been fantastic so far and everybody's really, really excited for it. So I'm excited yeah. for it. And then Halloween. Yes. So we'll be doing a, um, a spooktacular... Uxbridge. So we're going to, slightly different to normal, we're having multiple characters roaming through Uxbridge Town Centre. So you'll see giant bats, the mad mummies, ghosts and ghouls and goblins, wow. and they will be roaming through Uxbridge throughout the day. Uh, and obviously our, our age-old favourites like the pumpkin carving will come back and yeah. we'll have the wonderful Samba Italian Samba band dressed up as the Day of the Dead. So all our fan favourites will, will be will be in and it'll be great fun. But yeah, it'll be a sort of a, a spooky day. So lots of opportunity to meet the characters and our love Uxbridge ghosties and ghouls. Yeah, take a photo with them and have a little dance. So what weekend will that be? That the nearest is, is the 28th, 29th, isn't yes. it? So it's Saturday the 28th. Good stuff. <laughs> lots coming up then. Yes. Lots to do. Uh, thank you for coming in, telling us all about the bid, because I think some people aren't really sure how it all works, but you've explained it very well. <laughs> and if they find me in the high street, just just ask. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed you're walking down the high street. You can't walk very far without someone accosting you and saying, oh, hi, Kira. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's the way I like I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> yes. Right. Thank you very much, Kira. That's great. Thank you. Have a good day. Now, we love to hear about local people doing well and going out finding fame and possibly fortune. We're going to catch up next with a local rising star in ballet. So our next guest on the podcast is Jasmine Whitford, who is a local ballet dancer from Uxbridge. It's great to hear about local people doing well, and Jasmine's no exception. Hi, Jasmine. Hi. You're chatting to us because you're on a tour with your ballet school, which is all about future stars of dance. And you've got a performance. The nearest one to us would be the Britain Theatre on the 12th and 13th of July. But I wanted to know all the inside goss about being a ballet dancer. So, first of all, you went to Breakspeare School in Ickenham. When did you figure out that you wanted to be a ballet dancer? Was it quite young? My teachers at Suzanne's were quite inspirational and they would kind of head me in the right direction for like future steps getting me into the Royal Ballet School as none of my family are dancers so we didn't have much of an idea how to navigate around that but I initially realized that I loved ballet when we would do the annual performance at the Beck Theatre and I would get to perform a solo and I just found it was something that I could never get tired of and something I always wanted to keep on chipping away at so I knew that it was a passion that I wanted to pursue. So you went on from Breakspeare and then accepted at the White Lodge Royal Ballet School, which apparently, I don't know these things, but it's a pretty prestigious place to study ballet. 
Yeah, I think it's one of the best schools to be studying ballet. Fantastic. And then you went on to join the Central School of Ballet. Yeah. And then this show, it's apparently made up of the the stars of the ballet school. Is that right? It's everybody in my year group and it's quite a wide range of repertoire, some contemporary and some very classical pieces by Frederick Ashton and a lot of very notable pieces of music and some pieces are from quite a long time ago and some of them are new commissions on my year group. I think six pieces in total and it runs for like about an hour and it's a really good range of stuff for maybe young dancers who want to open their eyes to new things and see quite a wide range of stuff. So would it be a good show to go to if you've not perhaps been to a ballet before and you want an introduction to what ballet is all about? Yep, certainly, because I think that if you go just watch a full-length production at like the London Coliseum or at the Royal Opera House, it's quite a lot to take in, I think, sitting there for two hours watching ballet, whereas if this is um, pieces that are around 8 to 15 minutes, so they're better for your attention span and it show, it's all different things, so it's quite engaging. Now, what's the life of a ballet dancer like? I mean, obviously you do ballet throughout the day, I guess, but I mean, get up, have breakfast and then then what happens? So I dance six days a week. I've done that for eight years now. Right. And my days are very different to when I was at boarding school, but my day now tends to begin between around 8.30 or 10-ish with a ballet class that ranges between an hour and 15 minutes all the way up to two hours. And then at this time in the year, we spend a lot of time rehearsing. So rehearsals can last up to three or four hours, finishing at around six in the evening, just doing various different things like um, a class that's called Pada Da, which means dance of two, which we dance alongside a boy. And then we also used to do contemporary and jazz before um, the Ballet Central tour kicked in. But now it's just focusing on perfecting the repertoire within the show. Well, I've learned something today, at least. Pas de deux. Mm-hmm. You go to bed fairly exhausted after a whole day of dancing. Fairly exhausted. I've gotten used to it, though. Your body just kind of learns how to deal with it. Yeah. And then is there a sort of age limit for ballet dancers? Do you get like, like football players? Do you kind of um, get to a certain point and think, right, enough's enough. I need to have a rest. I think now um, there's a lot more research in sports science and taking care of dancers better than there was. So you can have a career with more longevity now, but I think that it's just really tiring. So most people tend to dance for maybe 20 years up until the age of around 30 or 40. And then a lot of people go into teaching or something to do with the the field, just not being a dancer anymore. So let's give up the website where you can buy tickets for this show. So that is balletcentral.co.uk is the website for the show. You can book tickets on there. Um, So that's the 12th and 13th of July, Britain Theatre in London. That's the nearest one to us, but you've been touring all around the UK, some great places. How's it been so far? Do you get to stay in like bed and breakfasts and things? What's the behind the scenes gossip? Most places will wake up really early and get a coach and um, spend the day there and then we'll leave in the evening. But the whole concept of Ballet Central, it's not just the performing, it's we also do what's called the getting and the get out, which is setting up 
the lights, rigging the lights, putting down the flooring on the stage, organising everybody's costumes in the right place. So it takes up a lot of time. So when we went to venues like Birmingham and Chipping Norton, we stayed overnight um, in Premier Inns. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Showbiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks for popping on and telling us all about this tour. Once again, 12th and 13th of July, Britain Theatre, and you can see local talent um jasmine whitford thanks for joining us jasmine that's great thank you right how about that for a selection of local events and people some other stuff for july if you're clearing things out you've got car boot sales at denham every saturday over the summer also at the middlesex showground also known as viner's playing fields just off swakely's roundabout on the 9th and 23rd of july Check out the comedybunker.co.uk for comedy at Uxbridge Golf Club. Their next ones are the 7th and 24th of July. Always a laugh down there. The Colne Valley Festival is coming. Loads of events coming up between the 22nd of July and the 4th of August. Check out colnevalleypark.org.uk. Mount Vernon Hospital are celebrating 75 years of the NHS with a family open day on the 8th of July from 11 till 3. They've got bouncy castle, games, football tournaments and stalls including health advice. Do let us know if you have an event happening. Just email whatson at uxbridgefm.co.uk Follow us on social media. We are uxbridgefm on all the usual platforms. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app so you don't miss out. That's all this month. Catch you in July. <laughs>